Quiet quitting is the new name for a behavior that has long existed. Today, the term is mainly applied to individuals who reject the idea that work should be the central focus of their life. They resist the expectation of giving their all or putting in extra hours. They say no to requests that go beyond what they think should be expected of a person in their position. Every employee, every workday makes a decision. Are they only willing to do the minimum work necessary to keep their job? Or are they willing to put 100% of their energy and effort into their work? But as we searched our database to study these quiet quitters within organizations, we found something different at play. Today, we are discussing how quiet quitting may be more about managers and not about employees. Welcome to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zinger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Korn, and joining me today is my good friend and leadership guru, Jack Zinger. Hi, Bri. Fun topic. Yeah, and quite popular right now. Uh, you know, we try not to get into topics that are too trendy, but this idea of quiet quitting is is actually not a new one. On our employee engagement survey, we've been measuring an individual's intention to stay with the organization for a long time. So, Jack, what was your reaction when you first heard and learned about this popular TikTok term, quiet quitting? <laughs> Well, I had several immediate thoughts. Uh, you're quite right that it's a new term applied to an old behavior that's been around for a long time. My next reaction was that this pertains, in most cases, to a pretty small group. And it will always be a small slice of the workforce, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then I wondered, you know, how much of this is a spillover from the, the big quit that we had in, in mm -hmm. 2021? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a whole, whole bunch of thoughts kind of came over me when I first heard the uh, quiet quitting. Yeah, and we're, we're going to delve into a lot of that today. You know, when I heard, I was wondering about the scope. Like, is this encouragement to quietly quit once be, and be done once you've hit your 40 hours and it's like, nope, I'm not doing anything more? Or is it like, you know, I'm going to, I finished my work in 10 hours this week and I'm going to quietly not tell anyone that I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you and Joe looked at the data that we've been gathering over the years from these dissatisfied employees who are claiming that they were thinking about quitting. And today we're going to dive into exactly what you learned from this group and what makes a difference for those who view work as this day prison and others who feel like work gives them meaning and purpose. Yes, you know, our, our data shows that quiet quitting is usually less about an employee's willingness to work harder and more creatively, and often more about a manager's ability to build a relationship with their employees where they are not counting the minutes until quitting time. Hmm. You know, some of that quiet quitting may be due to things within the employee themselves, but we think that's probably a minority. So here are some of our observations about quiet quitting. Uh, it describes a small group and I believe it will, will remain a tiny fraction of employees. Why? Because that behavior violates the norms of most organizations, and peer pressure is very powerful. 
this short-term response, I think, will be an extremely career-limiting move for those people who engage in it. Many have attributed this quiet quitting primarily to, to Gen Z. I don't know that that's true. We don't have any data to, to back that up necessarily, but we do have good data. It seems like it's more likely to come from a younger person just beginning his or her career. And, you know, that attitude, it kind of runs counter to most of the solid research about human motivation. I think that the generally accepted view of human motivation is that people want a feeling of mastery. They want to be able to feel that they're capable of doing some important things well. Mm-hmm. They Secondly, they want some degree of autonomy. They want to be able to make their own choices and be captain of their own ship. And finally, they want some purpose, meaning, cause in what they do. This quiet quitting movement escalates autonomy and puts it at the head of all of those and doesn't leave much room for having a a real purpose or cause or to be using your current work to acquire real mastery. So I think it's kind of short-lived. So I want to go back to what you were saying about kind of the biggest revelation from the data that we do have on this group is that this behavior is strongly influenced by a person's immediate manager. So it turns out quiet quitting has a great deal to do with the effectiveness of the manager, often more than the direct report's deeply ingrained attitudes. The fact is that the least effective leaders have three to four times as many people who fall into this category compared to the most effective leaders. So we had 13,000 direct reports rate the effectiveness of their managers. The managers, there was about 2,800 of them, on their ability to balance getting results with a concern for others' needs. Now, each direct report was also asked to indicate the extent to which their work environment is a place where people want to go the extra mile. And those managers who are rated in the bottom, the first to the 10th percentile on the skill of balancing results with relationships, had 14% of their direct reports quietly quitting. And only 20% were willing to give that extra effort, that go the extra mile. But As managers increase their effectiveness at the skill of balancing results with relationships to the 90th to the 100th percentile, now the leaders at that percentile, 62% of their direct reports were willing to give extra effort. That's incredible. And only 3% were quietly quitting. Yeah. So the the research term we give to those uh, willing to put forth extra effort is is discretionary effort, or you would say going the extra mile. Its effect on organizations can be really profound. If you have 10 direct reports and they give 10% additional effort, or they work smarter, or they stay more focused and avoid distractions, mm-hmm. that net result, that additional effectiveness is increased productivity that can add up to an additional extra employee for the firm. Many people have at some point in their career worked for a manager that moved them toward quiet quitting. This often comes from feeling undervalued and unappreciated. It's possible that the managers were seen as biased or or they engaged in behavior that was just plain inappropriate. Mm -hmm. This lack of motivation was a reaction to the actions of the managers. 
Also, most mid-career employees have worked for a leader where they had a strong desire to do everything possible to accomplish their goals and objectives. Occasionally working late or starting early was not resented because this manager truly inspired them. You know, suppose you have multiple employees whom you believe to be quietly quitting. In that case, an excellent question to ask yourself is, is this a problem with my direct reports or is this a problem with me and my leadership ability? Ooh, that's a good point, Jack. And, you know, if you're confident in your leadership abilities and only one of your direct reports seems to be unmotivated, remember that, you know, it may not be your fault. Recall that three or four percent of the best managers had direct reports who were quietly quitting. So, you know, might maybe beyond your control. Either way, it's good to take a hard look at your approach toward getting results with your team members. So when asking your direct reports for increased productivity, do you go out of your way to make sure that team member feels valued? It's something for you to consider. Now, how did we get to this point of quiet quitting, of people just being <laughs> done? Where, where do you think this kind of came from? Bree, I, I think this behavior may have been triggered by some powerful external events that have upended much of the prior social order. Hmm. You know, the COVID pandemic was extremely disruptive, and we're continuing to feel the brunt of its effects. Yeah. Everything in life that had been secure and all nailed down suddenly was torn loose. Work was at the forefront of this disruption. Work had traditionally been a place to which you would go. There were fairly defined boundaries around work that came from that physical location, and those were all erased. And each individual now had to create a whole new set of norms about how their work and their personal life would intertwine. And I'm talking obviously about those who were working from home in large part. Yeah. In practice, people indeed, the research shows, worked longer hours. Yes, they didn't have to commute, and that was a gift. But even the most seasoned employees struggled with creating a new workable separation of their work and their personal life. Interesting. And this all follows, you know, the great resignation or the big quit, which is something we, we saw and talked a lot about last year. Yeah. And a large number of employees have used the events of the past months to reassess their employment. Many have opted to resign, seeking better pay. Some have used this as the occasion to move to a more favorable part of the country from their perception. And they've determined now that they can kind of work from anywhere. Interesting that the recent accounts suggest that a, a number of those who quit, maybe as many as half, are having second thoughts. The grass was not all that much greener. <laughs> Being in the office part of the time does have benefits, both to the company and the employee. So is, is quiet quitting simply a toned down, safer vision of the big quit? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about it that way, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It's very fascinating to consider. The pandemic really did a number on us. There was a lot of good that came out of it, a lot of progression, but a lot of hardship in people, you know, reevaluated what you're talking about, what they need from their work situation. They may not want to quit, but they want to set some boundaries, which you know, right. can be healthy. 
everyone benefits from a periodic kind of re reflection on the meaning of their work and, and their life. Our history describes the fact that decades ago, there was a very different implied contract between companies and their employees. Workers were seen as interchangeable objects that you paid for on an hourly basis or a daily basis. Mm -hmm. the, the slogan, a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, was a, a great summation of the whole contract. But then we learned that workers were not automatons. They had feelings <laughs> and they had aspirations and they wanted lives that had meaning and purpose. And frankly, you know, for many, their work gave their life greater meaning and a, and a clear purpose. And people wanted a career, not just a, a day job. So today, I think organizations have assumed that most employees seek to be treated as if they were career colleagues. In turn, the organizations assume that people will act with the organization's best interests in mind and put forth their best effort and on occasion, extra effort. Yeah. So what should managers do? <laughs> Well, it seems to me that first, like most issues that occur in any organization, the best solution begins with communication, open dialogue with colleagues about the expectations that each party has of the other. That goes a really long way. Mm -hmm. now, and the second one involves building trust. We, we've analyzed data from over 113,000 leaders, and we look to find the very top behavior that would help a leader demonstrate that they are effective at balancing results with the concern for their team members and, and their welfare. The number one behavior that helped was trust. When direct reports trusted their leader, they also assumed that the manager cared about them and was concerned about their well-being. Yeah, that's great advice. And our research um, has linked trust to three behaviors, the building positive relationships, consistency, and good judgment, which we've discussed a lot recently because of Joe Folkman's new book, The Trifecta of Trust. So if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can go check out those other episodes. All right. So the question is, is the quiet quitting movement the beginning of a revolution that changes the way we work? Is it an expression of exhaustion at the end of working excessively hard? Or is it merely a passing fad that will quickly die? Only time will tell. The actions we have suggested are appropriate regardless of the outcome. The approach leaders took to drive for results from employees in the past is not the same approach we use today. We are building safer, more inclusive, more positive workplaces, and we must continue to do better. You know, it's easy to place the blame for quiet quitting on lazy or uncommitted workers. But instead, our research is telling us to look within and recognize that most individuals want to give their energy, their creativity, their time, and their enthusiasm to the organization and to leaders that truly deserve it. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. 
If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.